Well, let's look at this passage, and I want to start by asking the question, what's the best breakfast that you've ever had? Have a little think. You might want to drop it in the comments and so on as you remember some of them breakfasts. Maybe it was a birthday breakfast years ago. Maybe it was in a nice hotel years ago. I read this week that you can have the, the UK's most expensive breakfast in a certain hotel, and it'll only cost you £120. But in that breakfast, you get duck eggs, you get caviar, and you get a little mini brioche roll as well, which is um, obviously worth it, £120. What was your best breakfast? You know, some people say that the most important meal of the day is the breakfast, that it sets you up for the day. And that was definitely the case in this passage that Ewan's just read. For the disciples, this was a special breakfast. There's actually something fishy, pardon the pun, about this breakfast, because as we'll see, more stuff happens. It wasn't just a breakfast, but it was a very special breakfast. Let me just pray before we go any further. Lord, we pray that as we look again at this passage, as we dig into it, that you would highlight and reveal some of the things that you would want us to take away from it. We pray, Lord, that you'd open our eyes and our ears to all that you are saying, Lord, in this passage, in these verses we looked at. Amen. Well, in this talk, I really want to look at Jesus' response. What did Jesus actually do? His followers had been following him. They decided to follow him. They'd been involved in his miracles. They'd seen amazing things. They'd experienced and witnessed his death. They'd encountered grief, loss, sorrow, disappointment, confusion, loss of identity, loss of career, if you like. Some of the emotions that maybe some of us have been feeling during this past year. Then they've experienced his resurrection. He's appeared to them a couple of times. This is the third time he's, ex he's revealed himself to them. They're on this roller coaster of emotions going on. And what does Jesus do? How does Jesus respond? Well, I've chosen four things that I want to highlight in this talk. Four things that Jesus does and how he responds to them. The first one is that he's prepared to meet with them. With all that they've been through, all that they're experiencing, all their emotions, their questions, their longings, their confusion, he is prepared to meet with them and to go ahead of them. We see that in verse 4 it says, Early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore. See, Jesus had in mind that he wanted to meet with them. I don't think he just bumped into them. He was like, oh, there's them guys on the... Jesus was intentional. Jesus had prepared and planned to meet them on the shore. He'd prepared a meal. He'd already prepared a fire. He'd got stuff together. He'd rolled up his sleeves. He'd got cooking. Jesus was prepared to meet with them. And he was waiting for them on the shore. And he was watching them at work. He was observing them at work. He was there ahead of them. For us, we might find encouragement in that. We've been working from home and we've been trying to make it work, but for some people, especially uh, people who are working in hair salons this week, they've been able to physically go back to their work space. And for some of you, you might find encouragement in the fact that Jesus sees you in your workplace. Jesus is watching. Jesus has gone ahead of you. Jesus has prepared something for you in that place in that space you know before our feet touch the floor in the morning jesus is waiting for us jesus goes ahead of us before our boat comes into shore as it were jesus is already standing on the shore waiting for us 
The second thing uh, that I want to highlight about this is that Jesus helped them in their work. He advised them, he guided them, he instructed them. So these guys were fishermen, they were trained experts, yet Jesus calls out to them. Verse 5, he says, friends, haven't you caught any fish yet? No, they say, that's painful, isn't it? No, we haven't caught any fish. We're pros, but we haven't caught any fish. Verse 6, he says, well, throw your net on the other side and you will find some. See, Jesus speaks creatively into their workplace. Jesus wants to speak creatively into our workplace. He cares about their catch. He cares that they succeed. He could have just ignored their struggle. He could have just thought, oh, you know what? They're not going to catch it. I'll wait here. They'll come back in with their tail between their legs and then we'll talk. And sure, yeah, Jesus wanted to use the fish as an illustration. He wanted to teach them about catching fish and being fishers of people. He wanted to use it as an example. But he could have just let them just plough on. Instead, Jesus instructs and advises. He guides them in their workplace. And for some of us, continuing to work and, and being flexible and creative in our workplaces, maybe struggling in our workplaces... Jesus wants to speak to you in it. He wants to speak creatively to you, spend time with you, advise you, help you, guide you. As we pray about the decisions we make, as we pray about our work colleagues, the people that we work with and, and relate, with, relate to, Jesus cares about them things. Thinking about the salons that have opened this week, and I know some of you are thinking, praise the Lord. Social media's been littered with people uh, putting up their photos of them getting their haircuts this week. You know, it's nice to know that Jesus cares about your work, that he's gone ahead of you, that he's there in that salon, in that place, in your workspace. Many of us are called to business, called to work well, to work hard, to work smart, and to work with Jesus. The disciples worked with Jesus. They listened, they heard. They could have said, you know what, thanks anyway, but we've got this. We're fishermen, we've been doing this for years. My dad was a fisherman, my, father, my grandfather was a fisherman. It's a, it's a family business. We know what we're doing. Thank you, mate, but it's great. You know, we're good. We've got this. They didn't. They listened to Jesus about their work, for their work. They followed instruction. They pulled their nets out. They put it on the other side. They allowed Jesus to guide them in their work workplace in a difficult time with all the emotions that's going on and they weren't succeeding thirdly then jesus dined with them he spent time with them chilled out kicked back with them hung out with them verse 12 said it says this jesus said come and have breakfast he took some bread and he gave it to them and he did the same with the fish I wonder about us, how do we feel about spending time with Jesus? That Jesus would prepare food for us, prepare sustenance for us. The thought of listening maybe to worship music while you work, obviously with earphones in so you don't annoy everybody. Maybe in your lunch break, reading scripture or the Bible in a year. Maybe in your coffee break, listening to a podcast. How do we feel about involving Jesus in our workplace, like the disciples did in our work space? And maybe more than that, or, or as well as that, just stepping back and being aware that Jesus is with us in our workplaces. He goes ahead of us. He's prepared stuff for us. He wants to commune and dine with us. 
that we are aware of Jesus with us in that place, in that space. Interesting, you know, that Jesus is already at work. He goes ahead of us. He goes ahead of us and he's already doing stuff. We see that in verse 10, Jesus says to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. And he adds it to his menu. See, Jesus has got fish, he's got bread, he's doing stuff already, he's got the fire going, it's already happening. And like Jesus being at work in the world, he invites us to add to what he is doing. Add your fish to my menu. Add, contribute and add to it. I'm, I'm making all things new, I'm doing a great thing in the world. Come, add your thing to it. We're co-workers with Christ. I think it's worth just pausing at, at this point and just stepping back and thinking how nice, how kind Jesus is. I want to acknowledge the care package that Jesus has given to his followers here. All these invitations in scripture, you know, John 1, come and see. Uh, Matthew 11, come and learn. Matthew 6, come and rest. And now in verse 12, John 21, come and have breakfast. How nice for the disciples after losing him, after the grief, after the confusion, after the loss of their identity, the loss of a career maybe, after the loss of community, Jesus was the centerpiece, he was the rabbi. How nice that when they returned to work, maybe failing at it, but how nice that Jesus would come and get involved in their work. He'd reveal himself to them. How nice that he would reveal himself a third time again to them, to care for them. He provided food, a basic need for people, provided food. For us, you know, we've been through so much and continue to go through so, so much. There, there's grief, there's loss, there's confusion, there's financial struggles, there's trying to make it work, there's been all sorts of stuff and change that's going on in our lives. For some of us returning to a physical workspace, some of us still working at home and trying to work out how that looks like. Spurgeon, who's a theologian, said this about the passage, he said, Jesus bids them to put by their nets for a while and to commune with him. I believe that Jesus is inviting us to just to lay things down, to come away with him, to spend time with him around a fire, around a place where we can be warm, where we can be ministered to, where we can be provided for, cared for, to dine with him. Let's spend time with Jesus. Let's allow him to cook for us to eat with him, allow him to care for us. And finally, which takes me on to my fourth thing that I wanna highlight, to allow him to recommission us, to send us back into whatever normality looks like with him. You now Jesus reinstate them, specifically Peter. Jesus set a familiar setting for him. Now he's got a fire going on, he's on a familiar place, a Sea of Galilee, somewhere that is familiar for, for them. You've got to remember that, that previously Peter denied Jesus three times. He denied knowing him three times. And Jesus asks him the question three times, do you love me? Each time he's restoring Peter. He's reinstating him, he's recommissioning him. Jesus asks him three times, and, and you can look really deep into this, and you can look at all the different Greek words that, that Jesus uses and that Peter uses and so on, and that's a whole nother talk you know, all the different types of words that he uses. But really, essentially, I think what he's saying is, do you love me with everything? 
Do you love me with your whole heart? Do you love me with everything? Do you love me more than the fish? Do you love me more than your disciples? Do you love me more than work? Do you love me more than anything? Do you love me, Peter? And then he says, well, go and feed my lambs. Go and feed my sheep. Jesus is doing all the re's. He's recommissioning, reimagining, re-envisioning. He's restoring. He's reinstating. He's doing rehabilitation. He's reinstating. He's ministering to Peter. He's helping Peter at this time. Really interesting imagery because you think about them catching fish and bringing it onto the shore. They would have been mindful of Jesus calling them to be fishers of people. Come and follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers for people. There's this image of, of catching people, of winning people's hearts for Jesus. And then there's this switch because Jesus is talking about the fish and catching hearts and winning souls for Jesus. And then Jesus turns it from the fishing analogy or being fishermen to being a shepherd. And Jesus says, if you love me, then go and feed my sheep. So you've got evangelism and you've got discipleship. You've got Jesus saying, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, teach them, help them to be whole life disciples. One of the commentaries, one scholar comments about this and it says this, a Christian gospel ends properly, not within the appearance of a risen Lord to his disciples and their belief in him, but with the confident statement that his mission to the world undertaken at his command and under his authority will be the means by which many are saved. See, the nets were bursting. They brought all them fish in. They had a great catch. Jesus is saying to them, go out, spread the good news, share the good news about me, but teach them, teach them to love me, teach them to be whole life disciples. Let me just pray. I invite you, if you're able to, just to be in a position where you can open your hands before God and invite Jesus in to dine with you. Lord, help us to become aware that you have gone ahead of us and you go ahead of us. Lord, would you help us, Lord, as you speak into our lives, into our workplaces, Lord God, and you speak creatively, would you instruct us and guide us and help us in what is strange times still and how we do work and how we function, how we operate and how we look for work. And in all of that, Lord, would you be speaking? Would we have ears to hear you? Help us, to, Lord, to dine with you, to spend time with you, to lay things down at the shore and to spend time with you, Jesus. And Lord, for some of us that just need to be recentered, recommissioned, realigned, restored, would you do that for us, Lord? As we revisit our lives and our workplaces and all that we do in life, would you recenter us? Would you reposition us, Jesus, to follow you with our whole hearts, as whole life disciples, we pray. In the name of Jesus. Amen.